This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp. Wondering when teaching became such a controversial profession. The other big issue here that, that we have an, a concern with is this underlying message that somehow you can't trust teachers or, or that teachers are trying to indoctrinate uh, students. Florida Education Association President Andrew Sparr talks with Sunrise about how teachers will teach if House Bill 7 becomes law. Some may debate Tom Brady's legacy. Florida's governor is not one of them. He is the the greatest of all time. TB12 has made it official. He's retiring from football. More of the governor's reaction later. But first... HB 7, which prohibits lessons in schools and training in business that teach that some people are morally superior to members of another race, color, sex, or national origin, has been approved by the House State Affairs Committee. Sponsor Republican Brian Avila. The purpose of the bill is to uh, make sure that what is being taught in the classroom is being taught from an objective, an objective point of view. Um, So I can tell you certainly from a personal experience, I'm an educator. I'm also a human resources officer in in the uh, Florida Army National Guard. So whether it's teaching equal opportunity trainings or whether it's teaching in the classroom, everything and everything should be taught from an objective point of view. Really what we're trying to prevent is uh, whether it's an educator or whether it's somebody in the workplace, an HR professional or, or any other individual that is providing a training to essentially insert whatever ideology or whatever uh, take they have in order to essentially twist the material into making somebody feel a certain angst for being from a particular from a particular group, race uh, or sex. Democratic Representative Dottie Johnson had some questions about history and discomfort. How do we tackle the problem of racism or any problem for that matter? First, you must acknowledge it for what it is. Racism is a problem, but not for everyone. Racism exists, and that makes some people uncomfortable. But does that mean that because you do not personally feel the negative ramifications, they cannot empathize with what others are going through? Some people can't and won't acknowledge that black people in this country are disproportionately harmed by all sorts of things. And there was commentary about individualism versus the systems and practices that perpetuate the racist results. The fact is this history, the fact of history is that the U.S. Constitution counted black people as three fifths of a person. That is a fact that is structural. There is police brutality in this country stemming from fugitive slave laws, post-reconstruction efforts to disenfranchise black voters through incarceration, unequal housing access stemming from redlining, restrictive covenants, and steering by realtors, and don't get me started on health disparities as demonstrated by disproportionate black, Hispanic, and indigenous deaths from COVID and other health issues. Those are systemic. And the only way... To not repeat the past is to educate ourselves and learn the lessons that we need to learn to fix the systems and practices that perpetuate racially unjust results. Republican Representative Cindy Stevenson saw it much differently, saying the bill brings people together. It is very clear to me that this bill is to reduce othering, 
othering is what enables people to do heinous things to each other. Um, Irish history, Scottish history, Indian history, black history, Catholic, Jewish, Jewish, white. We all have experiences that we can go back to and hear the recounting and feel guilty about how human beings can treat each other when they objectify each other. This people that have natively empathy will feel guilty when they study our history. This bill does not say that people can't feel empathy and that might affect the way they act or behave or think about other people or understand other people. But what it does say is they can't be fingered and told that they should feel guilty, that they should feel responsible, that they should deeply internalize. It is a Christian belief that we love our neighbors as ourselves. When we teach people to detest themselves, we are not improving their ability to care for others. That is my comment. I look forward to passing this bill and building a better understanding and acceptance of other of people. Democrat Robin Bartleman, a teacher herself, had a lot of trouble with subjectively deciding what is objective teaching. If I'm teaching about Nazi Germany or I'm teaching AP human geography and I'm talking about genocide in order to be objective. Am I allowed to say that it's wrong? Am I allowed to say that it's wrong to kill a million Jews because Jews were thought of as a lesser race? Because if you read line 89, 90, and 91, that is not objective. Because the fact is a million Jews were killed. But I'm not allowed to offer my opinion that genocide is wrong. Let me give you some examples. Has anyone taught seven-year-olds? Because let me tell you, they don't hold back, and they got tons of questions. Ms. Bartleman, so, so Rosa Parks had to sit on the back of the bus because she was black? What does that mean? Why were black people taught like that? Why, why did Harriet Tubman have to go through a tunnel? Because she feared for her life because she was going to get killed by the white slave owners. As a teacher, I don't see anything wrong with saying that. Or you could say slave owners and omit white for people on this dais. But you have to address the concepts and where they're at. And my fear now as a teacher, as I'm teaching about the Holocaust, is that those Nazis who are on that bridge in Orlando, their children are in my classroom. And now they go home and say, my teacher told me, look what Nazi Germany did. Look what Germans did. I'm of German descent. You made my child feel uncomfortable. HB7 sponsor Avila stuck to what he called the unquestionable principles of the legislation. Well, several times it was brought up that we were doing away with certain topics or with certain historical facts or with certain events that took place in our nation's history. I want to reiterate and reinforce and make sure that it is clear to everyone in this room that is not happening in this bill. We need to have conversations about racial discrimination, racial segregation, racial oppression. We need to have those discussions. That's what makes our country great. That's what makes our country better than any other in this world. That's what makes us stand out from other countries where they can't have that debate. They can't have those discussions. 
Will it generate passion? Will it generate certain emotions? Yes. But we should have that debate and those conversations in an objective manner. Because whenever we're having political discourse, one thing that both parties always agree on is that it should always come from an objective point of view. What makes a classroom different? Being objective, being fair, treating each other with respect, that is the American way of life. And that is what this bill represents. Now I know, and we all know, how this vote is going to go. But at the end of the day, there's not one person that can tell me that they disagree with the principles in this bill. Well, at least no Republicans. All 16 on the committee voted for it. All eight Democrats voted against. The bill has one more committee stop, the House Education and Employment Committee. As Representative Avala said, there was no question how the vote on the bill would go. And there's not much doubt on eventual passage of the measure backed by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. So if this does become law, how will Florida teachers teach? Sunrise posed that question to Florida Education Association President Andrew Spar. House Bill 7, I think, has the biggest impacts on two areas. It has impacts on our history and social studies teachers, as well as our language arts teachers, those high school English teachers in particular, um, where sometimes there is some controversial uh, literature that is read, or of course, in in history, there's sometimes controversial topics uh, that are discussed. And so, you know, what I think most educators are concerned about is the unknown. Uh, What will the impact be of House Bill 7, which in some respects is a little confusing. And it's confusing because the standards here in the state of Florida that teachers teach by uh, is set by the state of Florida. And then uh, obviously districts adopt the curriculum that is in line with the state of Florida. And then the teachers are required in carrying out those uh, standards and curriculum. And so, you know, teachers are doing what they're instructed to do and what they're trained to do, which is to teach uh, students. And then, of course, now they have this hanging over their head, uh, potentially, which could mean that if a student feels uncomfortable or a parent doesn't like the content, that they can... um, issue a complaint, and then the teacher could uh, face disciplinary action, uh, which, of course, is concerning to a lot of our teachers because all they're doing is teaching and doing their job. Um, and uh, and so I think that's a little concerning. And I got to tell you, the, the other big issue here that, that we have an, a concern with is this underlying message that somehow you can't trust teachers or or that teachers are trying to indoctrinate uh, students. And the fact of the matter is, and I, and I think just about every parent who has kids in our schools knows this, is our teachers are held to an extremely high standard. They, in fact, teach content in the curriculum. They're content experts, and we trust them. Let's take an example that was used in the hearing where one of the opponents, a Democrat, said, uh, who, by the way, is a teacher, I teach the Holocaust. Can I say that that was wrong? Is that going to be a problem? Yeah, that, I heard that debate as well. And, uh, and of course, uh, the sponsor of the bill never really gave a direct answer. Um, he said that you've got to teach the facts, you've got to teach both sides, and you've got to let students draw 
their own conclusions. But I think there are things in our society that we have come to agree are not good. You know, there are sometimes right and wrong. And the Holocaust being one of them, right? The, the idea that there were two sides, obviously, to what was going on during the Holocaust. But I think there's a pretty universal agreement that the Holocaust was a bad thing that happened in the history of the world. And in fact, we should also point out that it was the United States who led the charge to ending World War II and ending the Holocaust and so we should be talking about it and do talk about that. And keep in mind, the standards here in Florida are pretty detailed when it comes to the teaching of the Holocaust and pretty much do say that the Holocaust was, in fact, a bad thing. Um, but it also goes beyond that, right? When we're talking about slavery and the idea that, that slavery as well was something that this country went to war over, right? Civil war uh, over the idea and concepts around slavery. But ultimately, we have moved past that, rightfully so. And again, uh, I think we would all agree that when you look back, slavery is a bad thing. It was a bad thing. Um, and, and so why wouldn't we teach that? Why would it just be you have to teach both sides and, and kind of leave it out there? Part of teaching is guiding in, in a lot of respects. Now, yes, if we're talking about current events and there's a debate going on, you know, that's where uh, teachers who teach debate, for example, will, will have students going back and forth and arguing that. But even with debate teachers, I was talking to one today. Their concern was if there's a if we're doing a debate and a match in a debate and and we're having both sides argue uh, at the end one is determined to be a winner. Well, what happens if I pick one team the winner? That some parents thought, well, that's not the right way to do it. You're trying to indoctrinate my student when all I was doing was judging them based on how well they made their arguments, how they drew conclusions, and so on. So. You know, again, uh, there's concern about the impacts of House Bill 7 because it is somewhat ambiguous and it does seem to be somewhat of a censorship uh, on teachers who teach in our schools. There's an awful lot of talk about guilt and not making someone feel guilty because of who they are, mostly based around race or sex. But guilt is kind of nature's way of making you want to do better, isn't it? Well, you know, here's the thing I look at it. In the bill, they talk about discomfort, right? If, if a student feels discomfort, they shouldn't be felt, they shouldn't be made to feel discomfortable, uh, uncomfortable rather, uh, when they're at school or learning regardless, and you know, they say regardless of race or background and such. And, and I get that. We want all students to feel safe. But if you think about sayings that we have in our society and things that we've done we talk about getting outside your comfort zone getting outside the box uh you know those kinds of things are done because that's when you grow sometimes you you have discomfort but you're growing and and discomfort in the bill really i think what they're trying to get at to your point is discomfort around the discussion around race and and this idea that allegedly some people are feeling being made to feel guilty uh, because of their race. Um, and, and, and certainly I think what the question has to be is are people feeling guilty or discomfort because someone is making them feel that way or because of the topic and the discussion, which is a challenging and, and um, sometimes very difficult, usually very difficult uh, conversation when we start talking about race and the impacts of race on society and, and 
different races being potentially treated differently. Um, this is not an issue of do I agree with that or disagree with it. It's an issue of let's have the conversation. And I think what we're seeing in a lot of respects is a desire not to have those conversations. And therefore, we shouldn't talk about race and the impact race has played in our history to this point and even in today's current events. Um, and, and therefore, again, stifling conversation and quite honestly, stifling learning that should take place. Because, again, if we're talking about debate classes, if we're talking about history classes or, or social studies classes where they're talking about current issues – Kids are seeing it, right? Like they're seeing it every day when they turn on TV or out in the community or wherever it might be. And and if we're not talking about that, this and having a conversation and, and really moderating those conversations, which is what a lot of teachers do, I worry that we're doing a disservice to our students and, and really limiting their education. I know in the state of Oklahoma, which put a similar law, sort of law into effect last year, there's a teacher that's actually suing through the ACLU claiming that they got rid of teacher diversity training. They have been told to avoid words like diversity and white privilege, that it's really had a huge, hugely chilling effect on his ability to teach. I think he's an English teacher. What do you think about that? Look, in Osceola County last week, um, there was a workshop that was set up by the National Council of History Educators to to do a workshop on the civil rights movement. And uh, it was canceled. And the district said it was canceled, not because they were worried about the content. They were worried that there was no way to guarantee it would be delivered in such a way that it would not be considered CRT or some other kind of, of um racial discussion that is no longer allowed in the state of Florida. And so, you know, again, here we are limiting what we are exposing teachers to. And I can tell you as an educator myself, as a teacher, um, what teachers want is they want to be able to interact and relate with their students because we all know that when students are safe and secure and feel loved, they're growing, uh, their learning grows exponentially. And they have to be in that safe and nurturing environment, especially in the earlier grades, uh, but really throughout all of their schooling. They have to know that they're in a safe place and that the people who are teaching them care about them and trust them. And one of the ways you truly show you care about someone is being able to understand them, being able to relate to them. Um, and you can't do that if we're going to say we shouldn't talk about cultural competence or we shouldn't talk about social emotional learning or we shouldn't talk about diversity training um, because I as a white guy uh, who taught in a predominantly African-American school learned a lot from my students um, and I think it made me a better teacher I know it made me a better teacher and it gave me an ability to interact with my students in ways I otherwise couldn't Andrew Sparr president of the Florida Education Association appreciate your time absolutely thank you Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Senate Health Policy Committee will consider a bill that would prevent doctors from performing abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. This bill is modeled after a Mississippi law that's being reviewed by the U.S. Supreme Court. The Senate Health and Human Services Appropriations Subcommittee will consider a bill that seeks to ensure that patients and residents of hospitals, nursing homes, and other health care facilities can have visitors. The bill comes after a lot of facilities stopped or limited visitation for periods during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Senate Banking and Insurance Committee will take up a proposal that would repeal the state's no-fault auto insurance system and the requirement 
that motorists carry personal injury protection, or PIP, coverage. The Senate Community Affairs Committee will take up a bill that would address regulation of vacation rental properties. The Senate Transportation Committee will consider a proposal that would allow motorists to use digital license plates. The Senate Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee will take up a proposal that would increase the percentage of money that the State Board of Administration could invest in so-called alternative investments. The Senate Transportation, Tourism, and Economic Development Appropriations Subcommittee will talk about fiscal year 2022-23 budget issues for the Department of Transportation, the Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles, the Department of Economic Opportunity, the Department of State, the Department of Military Affairs, and the Division of Emergency Management. The House is scheduled to hold a floor session this afternoon at 2.30. The Senate Criminal and Civil Justice Appropriations Subcommittee will hold a confirmation hearing for Department of Corrections Secretary Ricky Dixon. The Senate Agriculture, Environment, and General Government Appropriations Subcommittee will consider a proposal that seeks to beef up fraud prevention. And the Senate Education Appropriations Subcommittee will talk about fiscal year 2022-23 budget issues for the Department of Education and the State University System's Board of Governors. And finally, goodbye, Tom Brady. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback officially announced his retirement from football after days of speculation. There was some snark exhibited. The NBC affiliate in New York tweeted the news this way. Tom Brady, who lost two Super Bowls to the Giants during his legendary 22-year NFL career, retires. But most people acknowledge that 22-year career was nearly superhuman. I mean, he led the Bucks to a Super Bowl win in his mid-40s. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis could not stop praising Brady at a press conference before the announcement and at a press conference after it was official. He is the, the greatest of all time that's ever put on a pair of football spikes. I don't think it's even close. And... You look at, like, who's the best team sport athlete of all time. And as a kid growing up, I never thought anyone would surpass Michael Jordan. If anyone has done it, you know, Tom Brady has done it. And so he deserves an enormous amount of uh, respect and credit for, for what he's done over an uh, incredible career. But particularly to be able to bring uh, a couple great seasons to Florida fans, uh, we really appreciate it. And as a long-suffering Bucks fan, I really enjoyed last year's Super Bowl. I was heartbroken at the loss against the Rams. But, you know, that's just the way that things happen. Sometimes you, you know, don't get. And uh, I know him and Giselle like uh, Florida. Uh, I, you know, I always ask people when they come, are you glad you moved? And I think that they, I think they are. And I think they're going to continue to be Florida residents. Uh, so we'd be honored if they uh, if they continue to stay here, that'd be great. So wish him all the well in the next chapter in his life. Uh, but he's had a hell of a career. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics. Mm-hmm.